Welcome back to the program. Someone once wrote that happiness is serious business, but should happiness be a goal in and of itself? Or is it simply a construct for achieving what we really desire and helping us to find peace in the world? Woody Allen once said that the world was divided into two groups, the horrible and the miserable. I'm not sure that's the kind of construct that will achieve happiness, but we're going to talk about the philosophy behind happiness today with my guest, Frederick Lenoir. He's a philosopher, sociologist, and religious historian. He's a producer and host of a weekly program about religion and philosophy on France Culture Radio, and it is my pleasure to welcome Frederick Lenoir here to talk about his new book, Happiness, A Philosopher's Guide. Frederick, thanks so much for joining us. Hi, Jeff. Thanks so much for inviting me. And I ask you and your listener to be patient with me because I just started learning English six months ago. Oh, well, doing better than I would do if I had just started uh, learning <laughs> French six months ago. So, <laughs> not to worry. <laughs> Talk a little bit about why you think so much has been written over the years and so much focus today is on the subject of happiness. Uh, of course, because most people uh, want to be happy. And uh, there are so many books about happiness, but most of those books uh, try to tell you how you will be happy in five lessons or ten lessons or three lessons. And I think it can be useful, of course, but I think it's not efficient because uh, we have to think what is happiness. And uh, philosophy helps us to think well, and maybe it can be useful to live better if you think well. So uh, what I tried to do is to explain the, the concept of happiness. And for that, I tried to blend uh, philosophy from the East and from the West and also psychology and cognitive science. And then with uh, that, uh, I think we can try to understand better the complex matter of happiness. Is there something perhaps that is a part of modern life today whether it is the speed at which it moves, the way we interact with each other, are there elements of modernity that are antithetical to the traditional philosophical ideas of happiness? Uh, of course, the, the, world, the world changed so much. And uh, I think uh, that uh, uh, the ancient philosophers in Greece, for example, or Roma, uh, they, they were uh, maybe closer to us than people in the traditional world uh, during the, all the time of uh, Christianity in the Middle Age and Renaissance. And I think because uh, they were asking many questions about life and they were asking, uh, what is a good life? How to be happy? And that kind of question, people, they don't ask them when they are living in a traditional world because they have all the answers by religion. And uh, now most of people, even if they are religious, they ask philosophical questions. They, they are searching for the meaning of life. And in the modern life, most of people are, are trying to understand the life and to, 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 to know what is better for them. And I think it's something difficult. Uh, it, maybe it's more easy to live in a traditional world. You can see that when you travel. I'm traveling a lot. And when I travel in Africa, in Asia, in many countries, and I see that many, most of people, they, are, they don't have many things. Uh, most of them, they are quite poor, but they don't ask many questions about life. They, they just live, you know, uh, and they live and they, they feel well in most of the time. 
And for us, it's more difficult because we have too many choices. We have to decide what we want to do, what is better for us. And then maybe it's, of course, it's a, it's a gift to be free and to have choice. But also it's a difficulty. Which raises the question of, of the connection between happiness and education, the ability to understand those questions and to be able to ask and frame those questions with respect to one's life. I think that uh, education is, uh, of course, very important for the question of happiness in, in the modern world. Uh, because uh, we have uh, um, uh, we ask so many questions, as I told you, and then... Um, I think it's very necessary to transmit to children um, 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 a part of uh, discernment. They have to discern in their life, they will have all their life to discern what is good for them, what is bad for them. And it's why some philosophers like Montaigne or Spinoza said that uh, the most important thing is to help children to have a good judgment. Um, Because most of the time we transmit to children what we believe uh, what with and it's necessary. We always do that. Uh, but uh, what is better for for them is also to get a discernment to know what is good for them, especially for the individuals. And for that, uh, they have to have a good judgment. It's why Montaigne said it's better to have a mind well done than a full mind. Yes. Um, and I think the education uh, uh, of children is very important for that. And especially with philosophy. And in France, uh, many philo- philosophers try to um, change something in the, uh, in the school um, because we want that children uh, discover philosophy when they are young and not when they are, they are old. And I don't know in the in, uh, United States uh, at what age you start philosophy. Talk a little bit about this idea of philosophy being an essential element. So much in the West today is focused on money and success being a part of happiness. And philosophy, liberal arts, I mean, those, those things are not always in the equation today. Yeah, I, I know that. Uh, I, I won't say that uh, money and success are not important for happiness, of course. Of course, it can be helpful to have money. It can be helpful and useful to have success. But also, I told you before, uh, I know many people who have no money and uh, who are not searching for success, and they're happy. The reason is that, uh, you know, uh, there are um, an inquiry um, um, survey in many countries, more than 50 countries. And sociologists had the question to uh, thousands and thousands people in all those different countries, what makes you happy? And the answer uh, was always the same in all the country. Um, it was uh, first love. If we love people, if we have a good connection with our, our friends, family, etc., it's the most important thing. Second, it was health, to, to, to have a good health. And third, it was to have an occupation we like. Uh, to do something we like. And you can have those three things without a lot of money. Uh, so that's the most important things. And of course, if you can have also success and money, it can help you. But I think it's not the fundamentals. What is it about certain places? And we've seen these surveys that, that get taken all the time about what countries, what places are the most happy. It's always someplace like Bhutan that, that shows up at the top of these lists. What, what is the determinant in, in those kind of surveys? Uh, 
I will tell you, I don't believe in these surveys, in this kind of surveys, because uh, there's a contradiction. They ask to, uh, they don't ask a, a question to people. Uh, uh, for example, the United Nations uh, surveys, they, they, uh, they take care uh, not of what people think, but what are the good, uh, what is the best environment. So the best environment is a, a high economic level, uh, democratic countries, uh, to have a, a, a service for health and things like that. And if you see that, the most important, the first, uh, the country who has uh, the most of those things, the best environment is um, uh, in Europe, uh, is uh, uh, Denmark. Denmark, and in Europe, Denmark is one of the countries where there are the most people who committed suicide. So uh, it's a contradictory because I think that uh, it's not because you have the best environment. Uh, with economics and democratic, that people will be the most happy. Uh, then it's uh, two different things. I think it's very helpful to have a good environment, but you can have a very good environment and people can be not so much happy because they have a lot of, of pressure. Uh, they work too much. Uh, sometimes they, they have problems because they divorce a lot. They have uh, so many other problems in life that can explain that they are not uh, systematically happy because, because they have a good environment. Mm-hmm. To what extent is there an objective definition of happiness? <laughs> it's very difficult. Uh, of course, we can have many definitions of happiness, but I think it's very interesting to see how uh, the ancient Greek philosophers tried to, to create the concept of happiness, because it was created. It didn't exist uh, from all the time. And it was created by um, Epicurus and Aristotle, um, and they, they, they created this concept of happiness and distinguished it from the concept of pleasure. Uh, pleasure is a short life experience, uh, but happiness is a state of being. Uh, we get pleasure when you get satisfaction from a need or desire, and we are, we are happy because we feel good inside, inside yourself. Um, so happiness is a quest for balance, for harmony, for serenity. We can say that happiness is, is an inner feeling, a durable and holistic state of being. And with that definition, you can understand really the difference between pleasure and happiness because most of the time people confuse pleasure and happiness and they say oh i have a good life because i have a lot of pleasure but maybe tomorrow it will change maybe tomorrow they will lose their job they will some someone will die and they they will feel very very sad and and it was it will be very difficult for them for a long time so uh, the difference that you can have difficulties when you're happy you can have problems you can be sad but you feel peace inside your heart. You are always in serenity, in peace, whatever happened in, in life. Talk a little bit about religion and the different definitions of happiness within different religions. I think that uh, it's always the same idea. idea. Um, happiness is the full satisfaction of life, and you can find it in all religions. But most of the religions, they said that it will happen after this life. Uh, and for example, um, uh, Christianity and, uh, and Islam, they said that the full happiness will be after this life, when you will die and when you will see God, when you will live in the kingdom of God. 
you can be happy, of course, before, during this life, but it won't be the full happiness, the full satisfaction of all your deep desires, and uh, you won't be totally happy. And the uh, Eastern philosophy is different. And for example, the Buddhist philosophy say, uh, you can find full happiness in this life, but you have to make a lot of work. Uh, it's not something you, that can happen uh, just because you, you have a good life. Uh, you have to work on yourself, uh, on, your, on yourself, and you have to discover that, that your ego is not your deep personality, and then you have to make a very, very long uh, spiritual tr um, work on, on yourself to discover that, uh, to, to obtain uh, awakeness and to be to to totally aware and, and the, this wisdom uh, is the fruit of a long journey. To what extent does unhappiness provide a driver, a, a, a something that motivates people forward? I, I think that uh, some people uh, really don't want to be happy and, and said that it, it maybe it's more human to be unhappy. Uh, happiness for them is like something uh, unreal, something uh, that can happen, but you don't know how, and uh, it's exceptional. Uh, you know that uh, someone like uh, Freud said that uh, it's more useful to be unhappy than happy. And for him, happiness, like uh, the philosophers uh, describe it, like a durable and holistic uh, experience, uh, does not exist. He said it's impossible to be always happy. You can have pleasure, you can have uh, joy, but not happiness. And uh, also uh, in the Western uh, uh, philosophy since the 19th century, uh, most of the thinkers, they said that uh, it's egotistic to be happy. Uh, it's better to, to feel the sadness of life because you can be closer to, to people who are suffering. And, you know, also the romantic uh, the romantic way of thinking uh, said that uh, if you are unhappy, uh, you will be more inspirited uh, for, art for, for the creation, artistic creation. It's better to be unhappy than happy because when you are happy, everything is, seems so good that you are not uh, inspirited. And you see many, many uh, poets from the 19th century like Baudelaire, they are searching for the spleen. They are searching for sadness because they said that uh, uh, life is deeper is, uh, the truth of life is uh, more in unhappiness than in happiness. That's many reasons that can explain why people sometimes they, they prefer unhappiness. And I would say also that uh, I know some people who told me, I, I understand what is happiness, but I don't want to be happy <laughs> because it will be a work. It would be difficult to know myself better, to work on myself, to go on therapy. Uh, and it's difficult. I prefer uh, searching for pleasure. And sometimes I know it will be difficult because I can't get uh, pleasures or after some pleasure I feel bad, but I prefer pleasure to happiness. It can be a choice. How do we define that difference between pleasure and happiness? Uh, I told you that uh, pleasure uh, is a short life experience. Uh, you get pleasure because you, you get satisfaction from a need or desire. It's something that, that can happen every day. Every day you get little pleasures. Uh, and I think that there is no contradiction between pleasure and happiness uh, in the way um, of um, you, there is no happiness without pleasure. Uh, you need to, to get pleasure. But the difference that uh, when you 
you are happy, you are not happy only only by pleasures. You are also happy because you love life, uh, because uh, you are connected with people, because you have a meaning in your life. And for that, uh, your life will be uh, more, uh, will get more satisfaction, deep satisfaction all the time, and not only because you get little pleasures uh, every day. Um, so we can distinguish uh, pleasure to happiness, but never, never uh, forget that uh, pleasures, little pleasures of the life are also very important to be happy. I want to come back to something you mentioned before in terms of unhappiness, this kind of romantic notion that goes along with yeah. unhappiness sometimes. Talk about that. Uh, yeah, but because I told you, the, the, the romantic notion um, uh, think that uh, uh, happiness is not good for the creation, for the artistic creation. They said that when people are happy, uh, after they are not creative. They are just uh, contemplative, you know. They, they, they just appreciate life and they are joyful, but they don't do anything special uh, to transform the world and to, uh, to help other people and to, and to feel inspired for the creation. Uh, I don't agree with that. Uh, I think when you are happy, you feel also love for other people. And I think that uh, happiness makes you uh, more altruist. Uh, when you are really happy, when you really love life, I think you love better people and you want to help them. Uh, for me, there is no contradiction between altruism, between love and between happiness. And I think that more people are, are happy, more the world will be better because you would like to help other people, you would like to do something because you feel well and you want to help people who are unhappy. So I'm not agree with the romantic uh, tradition which said that it's better for the world when pe people are not so happy because they will want to do something to help others. One of the other notions is the idea to which happiness is contagious and, and the difference that, between right. in individual happiness and group happiness. Tell us a little about that. Yeah, I'm sure that happiness is contagious. Uh, but of course, it's difficult to prove it. Uh, there is no scientific proof of the contagious of happiness. But, but I feel it. Uh, it's a personal view. I feel it. And uh, I feel that when there are people happy, uh, there is a good energy inside them. They are joyful. They are peaceful. And then they help other people. Uh, it's better for other people. But sometimes you have people who don't like to see other people happier than them. And uh, the, the problem is that uh, if you compare uh, yourself to others, you will be always unhappy. Uh, Seneca told that, the Roman philosopher, don't compare yourself to others. If you always compare to others, you will always find people ha happier than you, and you will be unhappy. So I think, of course, if you, if you are happy, you can help other people and you can feel well and then it will be better for, for the world. But uh, for some people, it's difficult to see others uh, happier. And maybe not in, in America. In the United States, I think that uh, when you, 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 you see someone uh, happy, you, you are happy for him and you say, oh, great, I would try to do the same. Uh, it's, it's a motivation for you. But I know in, in France, it's so different. In Europe and in France, uh, most of the people, uh, they don't like to see people more happy, happier than them. 
And uh, because sometimes uh, we are jealous or we say, uh, uh, okay, he's happy, but it's difficult for me and uh, it doesn't help me to see people happy. I think there's a big uh, cultural difference. Frederick Lenoir, the book is Happiness, a Philosopher's Guide. It's just out from Melville House. Frederick, I thank you so much for spending time with us today. Oh, thank you so much, Jeff. It was a, really a great pleasure to speak with you. Thank you. We'll take a break. I'll be right back.